welcome to Camden Cast. I'm Tanvi. And I'm Erin. And this is our 7th Heaven Podcast. On today's episode of Camden Cast, we will be discussing Season 7, Episode 12 of 7th Heaven, the title of which is Back in the Saddle Again, or if you are in Germany, the title is The Courage to Live. Our IMDb user synopsis is... Eric continues his apathetic ways, and it gets to the point where Annie insists he sees someone to talk about it. Cecilia starts avoiding Simon. Ruthie learns a friend has cystic fibrosis. What was your first impression of this episode? Um, so this is an issue episode. Uh, very close to another issue episode we just had. We just had the suicide one, like a few back. Or one back, maybe. Two, or, yeah, two, two back. back. Um, and we're now we're doing an issue episode about cystic fibrosis. Um, and usually, I've said this before, I'm quite a fan of the, um, issue episodes because it's usually about something that I'm not familiar with or I'm faintly familiar with and we get a lot of information on it and it's a very human style of telling the story. Um, unfortunately though, I feel like this storyline specifically, was so far removed from anything else that was going on in the episode. Uh, like, uh, And it was also completely like backburnered, I feel like, um, that it didn't really have the effect that I feel like it could have. Um, obviously, I think it's really great that Seventh Heaven gives voices to people that don't have voices and puts, voice, uh, puts people that usually aren't on television on television. Like we had... Um, the people's players a few like uh, earlier in season seven uh obviously suicide was discussed earlier as well so that's great but i feel like they need to step up you know they can't have the rest of the episode all about jealous women right and then talk about an issue like cystic fibrosis in the same episode Mm -hmm. so that's my first impression yeah so anyway let's get into it with the cold open um it starts with ruthie bringing her horse back to the barn um and his name is ed which is a little bit of a cliche that i don't like but uh she is walking the horse back to the barn she's not riding it because as she tells we see another girl who is on a horse about the same ish age as ruthie and she asks ruthie why she's not riding the horse and ruthie says that she has She was thrown from the horse um, just before, and she just wants to go home, and she doesn't want to ride the horse anymore, and her brother is coming to pick her up, so she's ready to turn it in for the day. Um, And citing the old adage, 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 um, this other girl who we learned her name is Caitlin, um, tells Ruthie that she needs to get back on the horse and that she won't regret it and that she'll have the best day of her life if she just gets back on the horse and she doesn't know how great it can be. So, anyway... um, Ruthie meets the challenge and we see them riding off into the sunset together. Just a brief note. Caitlin is played by Caitlin Salmont, who is Mackenzie Rosman's real-life... I want to say half-sister. Half-sister, yes. They sh- they have the same mother. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and this plot line, well, we'll get into it a little more later. Okay, so we'll just say that for now. Yeah. It's Mackenzie Rosman's half-sister. So, um... We're going to start with Simon. Yeah, so as we know, last episode, Simon got in a little bit of trouble with Cecilia and her father because they were planning on having sex. Now we learn that 
um, we see Simon and he's all upset because Cecilia changed her phone number. She's not talking to him. Um, so he goes to find her at the high school um, in the evening because she's still employed there as like the custodial staff. So he lets himself in because he still has a set of keys. He finds Cecilia and starts talking to her about how... What exactly happens in this conversation? So he's like, oh, I just want... I still want to see you. Yeah, he's like, he misses her. He's tried to get her father to understand why she changed her her phone number, all this stuff. And and he's like, I love you. Like, I know that we thought we were going to be having sex, but we realized that it was, like, a stupid mistake. But Caitlin, uh, Caitlin, Cecilia is uh, very much like, well, I love you too, but everything that we did has got me in a lot of trouble and, like, I can't date you, like, my dad won't let me. When we see um, George Smith come up and he's like, you have to get away from my daughter, give me the keys, and basically what we're at here is an impasse where George won't let Simon anywhere near her and Cecilia has to follow the wishes of her father, and in doing so, is hurting Simon. Simon suggests that they, he, instead of like going on dates, that he just come over to Cecilia's house and hang out with her, her and her parents. And Cecilia very rightly asserts her, like asserts herself, and is like, um, "Is anyone going to ask me about what I want? Because that sounds awful, and I absolutely do not want to go on dates with you and my parents." So good for Cecilia. Um, she was like the most level-headed woman in this episode. So other than like Ruthie and Caitlin. Um, Cecilia manifests her desire to not be at home with her parents and Simon by uh, like walking around school with another guy that Simon sees. And we're led to believe that they're setting up a date. Simon is obviously upset, but Simon has learned his lesson from the previous night because when a different guy is like, can I ask her out? He's like, she's not my property. I'm. I don't own her. She's her own person. You don't need to ask me if I, or like talk. Say that she's my girl or something. She's her own person. Um, so, so Simon is kind of bummed by this. Yeah. He goes home. He's bummed. Annie asks him what's up, um, and he kind of tells her a little bit. And Annie basically encourages Simon to play the field because he's so young and she's like oh you weren't going to be with Cecilia forever whatever you should be out there um dating other people and seeing I don't know what what your options are and a theme we see in this episode is that every time Simon goes to Annie for advice because this is now like the second or third time in the episode that he does he's very unhappy with the advice that Annie gives him and so he again he's like oh I shouldn't have come here to ask you and he walks away and this is when we learn that Simon isn't 15 Simon is 16 which I Said last episode. I know, but Annie doesn't know that about her own son, so... Yeah, I'm keeping better track of the cam kids than Annie is. Um, And the episode ends with George coming up to the cam casa and basically being like, let's strike a deal. I don't like the new person Cecilia is dating. I'll give you your old job back, which will give you access to Cecilia. And um, if Cecilia wants to date you again, then you can. And I really do like this because we have on all the way on the other side of the episode with um, like Annie, Roxy and Lucy and the way they're portrayed. We have a lot of like disparaging of um, women characters and like 
all this stuff, which we'll get to in a bit. But I really do like that we have consistency of George, Cecilia, and Simon, um, like, having Cecilia be her own person and make her own decisions. Her dad isn't being like, you can date her now, like, I give you permission. He's very much like, Cecilia will decide, but I'll give you the opportunity to, like, be around her at the very least. So that's where we're left at. So good for Simon, I guess, if he still wants to be with Cecilia, which he does. He clearly does. He loves her. He loves her. Oh. Even though we've not seen any of that develop Even at all. The, and we had no idea. They just started dating out of nowhere, and it was never really made clear. We, what happened to Mark, the French man? Um, the football player. Um, so, sorry. Um, we'll talk about what is the most aggravating and infuriating part of 7th Heaven currently, and it is this stupid-ass quad of... Of Kevin, Lucy, Roxy, and Chandler. So we start with a guest appearance by um, someone that we have not missed. Um, in the <laughs> Although I was, I was happy to see her yeah, because yeah. from where where the show's gone since she's left, it, it was... Uh, all right, so anyway, it's Cheryl. Yeah, so uh, Cheryl shows up at the church looking specifically to speak to the reverend. Um, we never learn why. Oh, we do. It's because she wants oh. to see how he's doing after the surgery, because she only just learned of the surgery. But oh. if he, she wanted to talk to him about something else, we don't know what it was. Um, I thought this would have been a nice way to, like, bring back, like, just remind us that Robbie's gone forever. Because they haven't mentioned his name at yeah. all since. They're just like, he's in Florida with his mom. I feel like they should just very, like, casually just be like, he's not coming back. Like, instead, whatever. Uh, but they didn't. Uh, Cheryl, <laughs> I thought this was really funny. Because Cheryl's encounter at the church is with first Chandler and then Kevin and Roxy. And she <laughs> has no idea who any of these people are. <laughs> Which is such a, like, good, like, testament to what is wrong with Seventh Heaven at the moment. Because a character that's been there... I don't know, season four? She, yeah, she was back and forth, you know. But, like, she doesn't know anyone that's there currently, so... So, yeah, it's like dropping somebody who hasn't watched the watched an episode since, like, ro- like since, like, before... Five. Yeah, since, like, season five, and, like, walking into an episode and being like, who are all these people? <laughs> exactly. Um, so Cheryl, you know, is just having a friendly conversation with Chandler when Kevin and, um... Roxy walk in, and Roxy's immediately, uh, you can tell that she's jealous. She's like, oh, she calls Cheryl Blondie. She's like, why are, and like, Cheryl leaves, and so does Kevin. And then Roxy's like, why were you flirting with that woman? And Chandler's like, I wasn't flirting. And Roxy's upset. Uh, And she called, they were supposed to go on a date on this night, like a double date. And Roxy essentially calls it off because of this, which is ridiculous. Um, Meanwhile, we have Lucy getting, or like Lucy's ready to go on the double date. And we see that she's kind of wearing, we're we're meant to believe she's wearing more makeup than usual and that she's like dressed differently. Uh, And apparently she feels like Based on Annie's, like it's not just like, yeah. We don't see, I don't see. I mean, I guess she's wearing eyeliner, like, I can see she's wearing like coal on her eyes, but that's about it. Um, um, but Annie is like, oh, you look good. And she's like, well, I'm going out with Roxy. I need to look good. And from this conversation, we find out that Roxy and Chandler are officially in a relationship. Like he, the Roxy, uh, Chandler's like Roxy's boyfriend. And that Lucy constantly feels like she needs to dress up 
and look good every time she's around Roxy. So this like idea of insecurity and stuff, which if done correctly, could be a very interesting episode and an interesting like conversation. But obviously it's Seventh Heaven and it's not. So then we catch up with um, Chandler and Roxy with Kevin and Lucy at the Camden house. I don't actually know... So, can you explain to me, like, the geography of Glen Oak? Because they leave, and I, I thought, um, what's his name? I thought Chandler was going to take Roxy home, but Chandler takes her to the Camden house for then um, Kevin to take Roxy home? Because, what? oh yeah, I have no idea. They were all supposed to be meeting up at the camp. Well, he was originally going to pick all of them up, or at least Roxy up at the Camden house, when they were originally going to go on, all go on the date. So maybe, I have no idea. They were together, and then they yeah, went together to, to the Camden together. house just so that Roxy could sit, tell Kevin to take her home. Well, I don't know. Well, I don't understand. They were already, like, unless, like, the church is, like, a block, of, like, they walked. I don't, but they, I don't know. How? No, yeah, that made no sense. I didn't realize. <laughs> because she said, like, oh, you were going to pick me up at the Camden's house. And that made sense when they were all going to go on the date together, but now they're not going out anymore, so he could have just taken her right home. Um, so then we have two separate conversations going on. First with Chandler and Lucy, where Lucy's trying to figure out who the woman is that showed up. Um, first, they think it's Serena. They don't say Serena's name, but they think they're it's Serena. They're just like, oh, late 30s, brunette. brunette. But then Lucy... Which, by the way, Serena did not look like she was in her late 30s. She looked more like late 40s. Um, uh, but then Lucy figures out it figures out it's Cheryl. Uh, and on the other side of the house, in the love den, we have a conversation between Kevin and Roxy, where Kevin... Oh, God. I hated Kevin so much in this episode. Kevin and Chandler were both on the same page, and it was the wrong page. Um, basically Kevin's like, you are being ridiculous, like, you have to talk to him, which, yes, is true, she was being ridiculous, she doesn't need to talk to him, but then he's like, I know what you should do, use PMS as your excuse, and Roxy rightfully, like, is like, what? And he's like, because look, you say PMS, he doesn't want to talk about it, and then you can just... And you have an excuse, and, yeah. And, which is, I mean, are we, like... What year is it? I know. Like, what year is it? Exactly. And also, like, what? The, the, there's, uh, I'm not going to mention this again because, it, like, PMS comes up, like, a million times in this episode. But I just want to say, like, like, Kevin's view of PMS is so off the charts wrong. He's like, yeah, because you, you know, turn into a different person, turn into not a person when you're on your period. So that's why you can make excuses. And, like, it's an excuse to be off your nutter. And I'm just like... <laughs> None of this is, like, does he know anything about women? Clearly not. I mean... He's with Lucy. We do get some, like, introspection and self-awareness by Roxy's character in this scene, because she realizes that she's acting... um, Irrational. Yeah, Yeah. uh, unreasonably. But she's not happy with her behavior, but she doesn't know what to do to, like, fix herself. Um, And this is where we get a switching of the partners. Well, actually, no. First, we have this fairly monogamous comment. Well, before this, doesn't the scene happen where Lucy is with Roxy? No, the family monogamous stuff happens first. Okay. Um, So they seem like they're, like, gonna fix things, especially because he's like, look, I wasn't flirting with her. This is part of my job. Like, I'm going to be, like, um, counseling women and men. Like, there's... And sometimes it's just 
like it, it shouldn't mean that you think I'm going to be cheating on you. And we see Roxy seeming like she's going to calm down. But then he's like, plus, you know, I'm a fairly monogamous guy. And that's when Roxy's like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> Which also, what does, what does that what mean? What does that mean? That's like fairly such, monogamous. That's such a strange thing to say. Yeah. It's a bad adverb to add in front of that. Um, so now we have a switching of the partners. And we haven't seen anywhere where um, Chandler has been like, like there's nothing that indicates that Chandler's a player. Like in the last yeah. episode, he was like all nervous when they started talking about sex. So it, it, I don't know. We don't get the idea that he's like particularly experienced or has had has a long romantic history. Anyway. Uh, Roxy's back to asking either Kevin or Lucy for a ride home. Kevin convinces, or Kevin suggests that Lucy be the one to give the ride because this is maybe a chance for them to bond. Um, so this is the scene where we have with Lucy and Roxy in the, on the porch. Uh, um, I want to just talk about this because Lucy is the most unself-aware person in the world. So Lucy's like, Maybe you should break up with him if you're not comfortable with his job and his day-to-day life because he's going to be around women all the time. And if you're not okay with that, then, like, maybe this isn't the right relationship for you. And Roxy turns around, and she's basically like, you're a piece of work. You are unhappy with um, Kevin's day day job. You hate that he's around me all the time. But you're going to marry him, and you're telling me that I have to break up with him? And she's like, well, we've been together for almost a year, which is a lie. I mean, it's coming up on a year now. But this is January, and they started dating, like, May. I don't think so. I think it was a little bit before that. Because Kevin was in the... uh, The wedding. yeah, Yeah, but Kevin was in, like, the... Yeah, the wedding, and then a few episodes prior to that, like, I would say... So, like, April. I don't know. Because they only saw each other... It'd been only, like, a week or two from the back, like, a, a month at most. Yeah, and then he, yeah, because he moved right there yeah. at the... Because remember we were complaining about the fact that he moved in a month after... Yes, yeah. Um, let's see, his first appearance was season six, episode 18. So, yeah, not not that... March, April, something like that, probably, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's not been... I mean, I guess it's close to a year, but meh. Um... So, anyway, this, like, does not go well. And basically, Roxy is real. She's like, I don't, I'm, like, I'm jealous. And she realizes that she's turning into Lucy, that she's being, I think the quote is, crazy with no self-esteem. And this is kind of where that night ends with Roxy going home with Simon Lucy not doing a really good job of being a good friend or good good confidant to Roxy, um, or Lucy not being a good confidant to Roxy, Kevin being an idiot about PMS, and Chandler. Oh, well, we do have a conversation between Chandler and Annie and then Chandler and Kevin after this. This is a very tedious storyline. Um, the Chandler and Annie conversation is basically just Chandler asking if... Annie ever got jealous and this is when we hear about Serena again and then the Kevin and Chandler conversation is Kevin basically doing the whole PMS thing again and saying that um you they're like I don't know it's just not a very good representation of the female characters on the show uh where they basically like bring them down to stereotypes of jealousy and irrational irrationalness and unreasonableness and like calling them crazy and stuff like that. 
Yeah. Uh, um, anyway, this kind of this whole storyline ends with the next night when um, everybody has come to their senses or whatever, and they decide to actually go through with their double date. So Roxy and Kevin at work earlier that day. Kevin basically, in not nice terms, tells Roxy to call Chandler. Um, it's very condescending, actually, that conversation. And then Roxy calls Chandler, and they're like, let's just put this all aside. In the same scene, Cheryl comes back into the church, and instead of, like, blowing up uh, or being upset about it, Roxy's very calm, very collected. She's like, okay, cool, I'll see you later tonight. Um, And, yeah, this is when we see them. Well, Kevin and Lucy are not invited to this date because they're like, we want to be alone. And Lucy takes this the wrong way, and she basically says that it's Roxy's fault that they're not friends, that she's not to blame, which is a load of horseshit. Um, because if because she started it. Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> and, yeah, like you said, this ends with... Like, this double date, which is actually like a triple date, because Cheryl and her new boyfriend are there as well, and um, I guess... They're all at Pete's Pizza. They're all, yeah. And again, we have another episode ending with Lucy being like, I guess I'll try. And you know what's going to happen next episode. She's not going to try. <laughs> so, yeah. Look at that. You haven't even seen it, you know. Um, huh? I know that, like, we harp on and on about how much we hate these storylines, but it's really, like, if you're watching along with us or if you remember these episodes, it's the same exact scenario over and over again. And I'm getting a little sick and tired of them writing Roxy like that, like, having writing, writing Roxy like a uh, a, per, a woman who's thirsty is completely fine. Like, I don't like her, but that's a fine character trait to have. But then, like, making her into some, like, making her into this jealous woman is like, I don't know. And then... Well, they're just turning her into Lucy, and we don't need more than one Lucy on this show. Because it's already, like, a bad um, stereotype of, like... This ir- these irrational women who just can't control their emotions, who are jealous and they, you know, when they're on their periods, they just can't control themselves. They become different people. It's just this, like, very played out. Um, and like you said, like, you had said while we were watching the yeah. episode that the fact that Brenda Hampton, like, as a, a woman, female creator yeah. and writer, and I think she might have written this episode, that she would presumably she was in, like, the storyboarding meetings and she would let people, you know, other writers decide that this was what they wanted to do with these characters and it just doesn't really send a good... um, Like, it's not a good portrayal of women generally and um, it kind of plays into that whole trope of, like, the feuding... Like, the you know, women can't be friends. They have to be, like... Oh, yeah, there was a a mention of that, too, like... And the other, uh, so I was, as I said, we read a lot of reviews, and one of the reviews specifically says that this episode, this show is supposed to show a real life family in the form of the Camdens, and the characters are supposed to be real characters. And there are people, obviously, like Lucy, that exist in the world, but this has, like, it's it's extended out of the like reach of like believability. Like you can't not you can't you, you, there's a, obviously a suspension of disbelief when you're watching any type of media, like like movies and TV and stuff. But this has just gone completely crazy because we're supposed to believe that she is ready to get married, that she's about she's ready to be a minister, that she's ready to like step into her father's shoes, and she's not. Like right, she's so insecure and 
like just irrational and is I don't want to say like it's like I don't want to say, like, oh, too emotional, like it's, like, a bad thing, but she can't separate her emotions from any situation. Everything is, like, intensely emotional to the to a fault. And I think what we can't... Like, obviously, the Rev is not a perfect character either. He's very... Like, currently, he's very whiny and self-pitying and, like, kind of stuck with himself, and he can be very, like, righteous and very not. But I would... I will say that when the Rev is wrong, the Rev usually, like... You might not outright apologize, but you do see there's, like, some sort of, like, oh, shit, I fucked up. He learns or something or at least, like, reflects on what he's done. But Lucy has never admitted fault, ever. Like, actually, it's gotten worse. At first, I feel like in the earlier season, she at least, like, would get her comeuppance. But in recent seasons, at least in this season specifically... She keeps on di- diverting blame to other people. She's blaming Roxy for them not being friends. She's blaming she's blaming Kevin for whatever bullshit. She's wearing Ch- she's blaming Chandler for whatever bullshit. Annie for whatever bullshit. Like nothing is ever her just fault. Just a bunch of bullshit. It's horse shit. Yeah. I'm saying horse because this episode is about horses. Oh, but not really. But not really. Um, okay, but that's enough about that. We you all know that we don't like this. So yeah. that's it. Um, we'll get to. I guess very quickly, the Rev has his own thing happening, um, and I guess so does Annie. For Annie, it's about the fact that people keep on going to her for advice and nobody is listening to her, and so she's like, I'm not going to give advice anymore, and her other thing- There's a term for that. It's assholes. Really? Get it? They oh, ask for advice yeah. and don't listen to it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but we also have um, Annie- is against, again, once again, on the Rev's back to try to get help. And so the Rev does get help in the form of a therapist. So. The strangest therapist I've ever seen. Uh, he... So many thoughts. He has this really weird accent, and I think it's like a, a New England accent, but it was just very strange. Um, I couldn't really place it. He just... But, but anyway, he has no pity for the Rev. He doesn't really take on the role of like a traditional therapist he's kind of like get over it um he's like you i think every third person is nothing but lazy he says oh wait that's later on when he's talking to annie but he calls his patients lazy and is not very helpful in my opinion yeah no he when the route goes to him with his issues he is like uh look you have it better than everybody else in the world stop like feeling sorry for yourself, blah, 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 Which, so, just like the show has butchered the writing of women, it's also butchered therapy. Yes. Like, this is not, I mean, I would hope that this is not how therapists behave. <laughs> like, this is actually very much, because if we find out that the reason he's behaving like this in a later scene is because he just got divorce papers. So he, like... <laughs> So he can't even manage his own life. Right. Well, not, not, not to, like, yeah. But, but, like, he, like, is letting... He can't, he's letting his own personal emotions pervade his, like, therapy sessions, which I'm pretty sure is, like, divorcing your personal life from your work is important when you it's are like, a therapist. It's, like, the, one of the major, like, tenets of being a ther- therapist. The other thing is he shows up at the Camden house, which I think is, I mean, it's not, like, a breach of confidentiality. But it kind of is, because if you don't want anyone to know who your therapist is, yeah. then 
they like if he went and saw this person in confidence and he didn't want Andy to know which they're like what therapist in Glen Oak he was seeing, then yeah, this does seem like a little bit of a breach of like the patient doctor confidentiality. Like, yeah. Well, also like nobody else in the family except I think maybe Lucy seems to know, but like when he, he's introduced to Ruthie, he's introduced as her father's friend. So obviously Ruthie doesn't know who this man is and he shows up and they are talking not I'm pretty sure they don't talk about exactly what's said during the session but he brings up the fact that he didn't act the way he should have in the session which like and then Annie like uses him as her own personal therapist for a hot second right and then he says the thing about how all of his lazy yeah. patients which is just disclosing information first of all it just tells you a little bit about how he feels about his patients and then he's disclosing information about them that he shouldn't be. Um, so, um, I guess the only thing I really have to say is that I would never want this man as my therapist, and I would probably not wish this man upon like my worst enemy as a therapist. Maybe I would, but like I wouldn't because he's bad. <laughs> oh, I just looked down a note I have is that Lucy needs to look her best around Roxy because she loves her. <laughs> <laughs> well, Flat they are, twist. They are turning into each other. Yeah. Um, so we'll go to the last storyline, which is Ruthie. supposed to be the main storyline, but it but doesn't get any screen time. So it's Ruthie. Um, so after the cold open, we come back to the barn where we see Simon sitting in the dark on top of the hood of his car, waiting for Ruthie to finish riding. Um, when she returns, Simon's like, where, where are you? You've never been this late. And Ruthie keeps going on and on about how she's had the best day of her life and how um, after she got back on the horse, it was the best ride she's ever had. And it was so much fun riding with Caitlin and whatever. Um, she has this, a lot of like philosophical revelations because of this horse ride. Um, she realizes that you have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You have to get back in the saddle again. And that she has, she's, she has to give herself her own personal freedom. And she kind of pushes this on Simon because she repeatedly tells Simon to keep on trying with Cecilia, which ends up working, obviously, because he gets a chance. But um, we reach back, we call, get a, uh, we turn back to Ruthie when she's on the phone with... <laughs> I just want to say something. Yes. She's on the phone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she is wearing a shirt that just says over and over again. It probably says it like eight or ten times. It says, I heart dirt. <laughs> We don't understand why. I don't know what it means, but no. I kind of love it. Yeah. Well, this is not this is not the first time you've been uh, you've coveted some Ruthie attire. <laughs> yes. There's another shirt that you really liked. It just like I think it just said like oh, I can't remember it now. No, uh, it's probably on our Instagram because anything we like, we'll post on our Instagram. And outfits. I probably said it on the podcast. If you can remember which shirt Ruthie wore that I really liked, um, <laughs> please let me know because I'm, I've got a running list now. It's that and I heart dirt. <laughs> Um, so Ruthie learns from, I think it's Caitlin's mother, uh, that Caitlin is in the hospital with, uh, CF, cystic fibrosis. That's so meta because it's actually her mother too. So anyway, Ruthie learns that Caitlin was, I think, I believe this is the next day. Yeah. And Ruthie had gone to the barn again looking for Caitlin and Caitlin wasn't there. And she is on the phone with Caitlin's mother and she learns that Caitlin is in the hospital because she has cystic fibrosis. Um, and Ruthie doesn't really understand what that means at first, but the Rev is standing in the doorway and he comes in and he explains a little bit mm -hmm. about what cystic fibrosis is. And, um, I guess this is a good point to say that Caitlin Salmont, who played Caitlin in this episode, 
and is Mackenzie Rossman's half-sister, actually did have cystic fibrosis, um, and she died uh, in 2008 as a result of complications from cystic fibrosis, but it was... At the uh, age of 22. Yeah, and um, Mackenzie Rosman actually brought this idea for this storyline to Brenda Hampton, um, and they decided to go ahead and run with it. Um, actually, I just realized, because I remembered reading this, it's not her half-sister, it's her step-sister. They don't share a mother. Okay, I, so they don't share any parents. They, yeah, they... Uh, okay, so, okay. According to the internet, it's her stepsister. Yes, stepsister. Um, and uh, her... So, in this conversation that we have with um, the Rev and Ruthie, uh, the Ruthie's basically like, how do I do this? Like, Caitlin's a new friend. How do I be there for her without, like, intruding in a way? Because, like, Caitlin didn't tell me herself that she had CF. I found out from her mother. Uh, my mother. Um, so no, we just we just yeah, disproved know, that. The Rev um, explains to her. I think actually this is pretty good advice, um, which is basically like you just basically have to tell her like I want to be your friend and I want to be there for you, but I don't want and I'm like if you want to talk to me about things you can, but if you don't want to, then you don't have to. Which I think is a pretty good like piece of advice when you're in a situation where your friend is going through anything, like and you don't know how to deal with it. You let them decide how the conversation and how the friendship goes, kind of. Um, we then are we then have a conversation between the Rev and uh, Caitlin's dad. So that's actually played by Caitlin's real life dad, Randy Salmon, who is Mackenzie Rosman's real life stepfather. Um, wow! wow. <laughs> <laughs> Blowing my mind, man. Uh, this conversation is basically just about you know how like her father is just so proud of her and how like there's so much life and light and like is everything in uh caitlin and that he's just like along for the ride kind of and that she's fine in the hospital and she's walking around and cheering up all the other patients and it basically the rev gets permission to have ruthie come over and spend some time with caitlin at the hospital and that's where the episode basically ends. Right? Yeah. Um, well, th- we see. Um, so Ruthie goes and visits. Um, she, Caitlin says something about riding the next day, and she's like, "Okay, I'll see you at the barn." Ruthie is like, "Oh, you're going to be out of the hospital. You know, as early as tomorrow, you'll be able to ride again." Um, and she's like, "Yeah." So the next day, we see Ruthie go to the barn, and at first, Caitlin isn't there. So Ruthie's like, "Okay, I guess I'm just going to have to ride alone." Um, and then, you know, Caitlin turns a corner on the horse and is like, oh, what took you so long? I've been here, blah, blah, blah. And they ride off into the sunset together while Back in the Saddle Again is by Gene Autry plays. And it's, it's beautiful. It is. Um, so yeah, that is the episode. As I said, I wish they paid more attention to this. Uh, some reviewers mentioned that although they appreciate, um, the... The idea, like, having, like, all these different, um, like, having somebody that has cystic fibrosis on and talking about cystic fibrosis, they wished that sometimes the portrayals were more realistic. I feel like, um, which I guess is, like, a valid, uh, complaint to have, that, like, why couldn't, they could show, like, Caitlin maybe not being so happy all the time, or maybe she's not. Like, you know, maybe or having like good days, bad, bad days, days kind of thing. Especially because Caitlin's whole like spiel is like you have good days, you have bad days, but when you have good days, you have to pick yourself. Like in order to get good days, you have to pick yourself back up again. So I don't know more stuff about Caitlin, more stuff about that storyline. Especially because 
Mackenzie Rosman brought it to Brenda Hampton, but... Yeah, and it really felt like it took a backseat to all of this stupid stuff that was going on with the goddamn quad. Yeah, it is the goddamn quad. Goddamn quad. (laughs) GDQ. (laughs) So... What would you rate this episode? Low. (laughs) Two. Mm. Like a two out of seven. Because Um, it didn't feel like they gave the right due to to what they tried to, you know, back in the saddle again. It seemed like it should have been about... Um, Caitlin and Ruthie. I'm gonna give this a 1.5. Whoa! I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna give it a one, but um, I really do want to give props where props are due about the cystic fibrosis storyline. So I'm gonna keep that there. But otherwise, their showing of therapy was horrible. Their writing of female characters was horrible. Um, we, I'm so mad right now about a lot of things. All right. So if you would like to hear us continue to be angry about things, and in particular, the next episode is a good one. Um, Who is it? You can listen to us every Wednesday and Saturday at soundcloud.com slash camdencast on the Apple iTunes podcast app and on Stitcher. And you can see, possibly see Ruthie's I Heart Dirt shirt on... At least them riding on the horses, at least. Yeah. On our Instagram and our Twitter, which is at camdencastshow, and on facebook.com slash camdencast. And you can always drop, sub, sub, drop us a line on email at we're, Why can't you tell me? we're camdencast at gmail.com. I'm Erin. I'm Tanvi. This is Camdencast. 